Okay. Yesterday we were doing I don't know what page number, but we have this one. Uh what's the page number? One fifty four. I see. So my here in my one I cannot see the number. Yeah. So uh it is we read this one. Proponents of Sutra, proponents of mind only, autonomous, all agree in the presentation of the three times and of non affirming negatives. So this we all covered from Sutrantika and Avapaska, right? This uh the about, about the non affirming negatives and these things. Mm-hmm. Next, the five sense objects forms and so forth mm-hmm. do not exist as external objects because they are produced within the substantial entity of an internal consciousness, meaning that things are given rise to by our, you know, are the imprints of our mind. Actually, we were discussing this part yesterday. Mm-hmm. Internal consciousness through the power of predispo- uh, predisposing latencies, referring to imprints. Predisposing latencies established by common and uncommon actions in a mind basis. Mm-hmm. Mind basis of all are do you all do you all get where we are reading? Mm-hmm. Okay, good. So actually we were discussing about yesterday we were discussing about the substantial cause mm-hmm. and the corporate co- the causes. I'll say uh, for the flower, for the flower, we need a seed, and also you know we need water, sunlight, and all these things. And uh, what is going to happen to the seed later on? It will sprout. Yeah, it will sprout, and finally it becomes a flower. Right, so the shoot or the sprout, uh, for that to come into being, the seed serves as the substantial cause. The seed is the one which transforms into that. And the other things like, you know, uh, the the one who planted the seed, and the fence around the seed, around the the sprout, they all serve as cooperative causes, right? So go to go even deeper, you know, then things can become a little bit uh, complicated to tease apart what constitutes the substantial and what constitutes cooperative causes, right? So basically, we need to know that the substantial cause is the one which uh, the uh, the uh, the one among the causes which transforms into the you know the main result, and the other simply uh, helps for this transformation. So the others which help, uh, others which help into this transformation, they are known as the cooperative causes. And whereas the ones which actually transforms into the result is the substantial cause. Uh, just as for the flower, the seed is the substantial cause, and the water, the water, this is quite an issue. So usually we consider that as uh, cooperative cause. But the question is, um, what is that? 
really a cooperative cause or a substantial cause? Without the water, but without the carpenter, the you know, the wooden house will not come about. But the carpenter hasn't, you know, doesn't have to transform into the house, right? So the carpenter is not a substantial cause of the, uh, the wooden house, but still, you know, without the carpenter, we cannot really have. You know, send up that, that kind of house. And what does from the water go? You know, if you press, you can find you know, the molecules from the water, you can find the Yeah, yeah, this yeah. is the issue. Yeah. 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 I mean, that's, it's, not, it's not much logic that the substantial cost is just one, could be more. Oh, mm. uh, yes, I agree with you. Substantial cost for a particular result, substantial cost may not necessarily be just one. That's for sure. Mm. But the what I've been, if you got the impression that you know, by substantial cost, I'm simply pointing to just one. This is not right. Mm. You know, substantial cost for something there could be just numerous, mm. right? Uh, the the issue is the water. Is mm. this a cooperative cost or a substantial cost of a sprout? Usually, you know, usually. Usually we say it is a cooperative. So anyone who sticks to this or who wants to say that no, 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 who wants to revolutionize the idea. <laughs> yes. Yes, 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 that is. Well, I'm going to stick with cooperative because the seed can blow on to another place where there is water. But if you just have water and never a seed, nothing Ah, uh, that's also, yeah, very intelligent. And fly to Asia? Yeah. And to the lake. Yeah, 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 yeah. That really makes sense. But without water, can it grow? Without water, can it grow? But we live in a planet where there is water. Uh, see, um, you know, the American water may not necessarily be the substantial cause of that thing. <laughs> Because, you know, the, the uh, very strong birds can eat it and, you know, fly to Asia and then lay it, drop it there as a dropping and then the Asian water can nurture it, right? Uh, oh, very good point. Anyone would like to say something else? Ah, uh, yes. We get dehydrated to a point. We will die. As the plant will die, we get dehydrated to a point. You are right. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know, say you're right. Cucumber. You know, cucumber. This is what I learned from my childhood. Is about ninety-eight or ninety-nine percent water. As uh, Nancy said. 98 and 99 percent water. Similarly, we, the human beings, may be 60, 70 percent water, or even 80 percent water. I don't, I'm not too sure. Which means that without water, you know, our figure would be very different. You know, if you extract all water from cucumber, it would be just small. You know, 
So this means that uh, cucumber for to be in that size or to be with that color and so forth, the water uh, plays a very important role as a part of it. You know, so the water really transformed into a part of cucumber, right? Just as the seed of cucumber transformed into uh, cucumber, the water which is added, you know, which contributed to the seed sprouting into cucumber also uh, contributed to this. So from that perspective, we have to say, yes, the water, the particular water, you know, uh, which forms a part of cucumber, you know, that is substantial, um, yeah, substantial cause of cucumber. But all yeah. the water that's now been gone, used to grow it, but then evaporated, uh, but say, out of, you know, out of, um, you know, two big or ten big buckets of water that you, you know, put, finally it grew to one very delicious cucumber. <laughs> so there, the water contained is, say, like one liter, right? So out of these hundreds of gallons of water, you know, one liter transformed into that. So we, we, we don't know which water, <laughs> you know, so of course, among them, one liter of it uh, served as the central cause, and the rest served as corporate cause. So for time, then let's agree on that. <laughs> okay. Right. Okay, so now similarly, so this is with the extern external things like flower, fruit, and so forth. And then, we are in the world of Chittamatras, which means that everything, you know, yesterday we discussed as to how uh, the image in the mirror and the mirror, the mirror itself and the image in the mirror, these two cannot be separated. These two are inalienably, what is that? Inalienable, you know, inalienably, uh, these two are indistinguishable, right? Inseparable. And yet, the image on the mirror is not a mirror. That we have agreed, right? So likewise, everything that we see around, that we experience, that we see, that we hear, that we smell, you know, even on the other side of the world, even in the other planets, in other galaxies, you know, so they're all just indistinguishable, they're all just inseparable from a mind. And yet they are not a mind. This we should be well aware of, you know. Okay, so another question is, since everything is of the nature of the mind, the mind plays a very important role. And we should know, so we should get a very clear picture of how the mind comes into being, right? So, since mind as well, since the mind being impermanent, it must have been given rise, it is also other-powered, right? So being other-powered, it means it is dependent on causes and conditions. It comes into being by the power of causes and conditions. So what are the, and among the causes we said, there are substantial and cooperative causes. So, as for the mind, for example, perceiving this table, 
right? Perceiving this table or perceiving yourself, right? Perceiving yourself or perceiving the table. Yesterday we were doing this. You close the eyes, then all of a sudden you, you know, open your, open your eyes. And you use the first object that you see is the, the table. So here, the consciousness, I consciousness perceiving the table arose. So for that to arise, there must be substantial cause and the cooperative cause. So what is the substantial cause to this? This mind, you know, the first moment of the I consciousness perceiving the table, and what is the cooperative cause for this I consciousness perceiving the table? This is our homework. Yesterday's homework. Right? Mm -hmm. So, anyone? So, well, first, let's see, you know, say, we keep on looking at the flower. You know, we keep on looking at the flower. The first moment of the mind perceiving the flower, second moment of the mind perceiving the flower, and so forth. So, what is the substantial cause of the second moment of the mind perceiving the flower? The first moment of mind perceiving the flower. Very easy, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, what is the, the, the substantial cause of the first moment of the mind perceiving the flower? The mind. Which mind? The mind perceiving the flower. <laughs> the is that cause? The mind that has previously perceived the flower? Um, That's good. That's good. Sorry? They could say the they say. Since they have served the existence of the Alaya. What? Alaya Vijan. I see. Oh. What is that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what? Say the complete. Since they are Shikamata, then we are. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they said. It says, like, I mean, if I have. The imprint. What, what? I see, I see. Oh, very good, very good, very good. So you may say that the Alaya Vijan. The main, the, the basis of all minds, you know, which is like the ocean. This ocean gives rise to, because of the wind, the ocean on the surface gives rise to different waves, you know. Similarly, our Alevijan, the basis of all consciousness, you know, which is so profound and fast. So, because of the karmic wind, because, because of the karmic wind, then it stirs the surface of our, our Alevijan and cr started creating all different waves with different colors and different shapes, right? So these waves and the colors and the shapes, different shapes of the wave, they are analogous to the different minds and the different objects that we see around, that we perceive, right? Very good. Okay. Ah, very good. Still, I'm unable to really, you know, point to exactly what I'm supposed to point to. <laughs> but you came up with a very good idea. Okay. Yes. It would remain the question, like, other, I mean, other philosophical schools who do not accept the existence of this consciousness, and how do they explain it? Uh, good. Very good. Very good. So I would say, according to other schools' point of view, who don't believe, who don't propose this idea of the Alevijan or the base of all consciousness. So we simply extend it to the mind, you know, the mental consciousness. But the mental consciousness don't simply think of the way it is understood by, you know, the way 
the Chitamatras, they understand Alibijan. Not all Chitamatras, we know. There are two, two Chitamatras, one following the reason and one following the Sutra. It is only the Chitamatra following the Sutra who believes in Alibijan, right? So, so simply extend the same thing to the mental consciousness when explaining uh, the uh, how, when explaining how the mental con- the different uh, minds come about, you know, in the other schools who don't believe, who don't propose the idea of Alevijan. So the same mind, mental consciousness, you know, because of the karmic force, something is disturbed, and then I conscious the uh, different consciousnesses or the minds arise. Not necessarily the external things, the, the table and these things. Whereas from it is only those who propose the absence of external reality that they say that while the mind comes into being, the mind along with the objects also comes. Mm-hmm. Right? For example, if there is the, the mirror, along with the mirror, image of the mirror also comes automatically. Mm-hmm. Right? Okay, so this is from the point of view of Chidamatra. Okay. So now let's see, instead of, just imagine, just imagine a very extreme, radical kind of example, you know, imagine, instead of this vast water, say it's just a flat steel or iron, what will happen if there's a wind? Waves coming? No. No, why? It's solid. It has no potential to give rise to, you know, what? The waves. So, for one to have, because of the wind, you know, the wind coming into contact with you and you giving rise to waves, for that you need to have the potential to give rise to waves. Right? So, this ocean-like mind, Alivijan or the mental consciousness, so it has the potential, right? Very good. I'm really thankful to Christina. So it has the potential to give rise to, you know, these waves of the mind, the different states of the mind. So these, uh, the potential to give rise to these different, you know, waves of the minds or the different minds, is known as the mental imprints. In short, the substantial cause of the eye consciousness perceiving the first moment of the eye consciousness perceiving the flower is the mental imprint. Mental imprint which gives rise to the first moment of the eye consciousness perceiving flower, right? Let me say it again. The, uh, the substantial cause of the first moment of the eye consciousness perceiving the flower is the mental disposition, mental imprint, which gives rise to this first moment of the mental consciousness, uh, sorry, first moment of the eye consciousness perceiving the flower. Right? Okay. Now look, it is not just the mind, you know, that we need to explore. We need to explore something more. What is that? Imprint as well. So now the question is, how come this imprint there, you know, is it gifted by the gods or Buddhas or your friends? Good. So, say, you are so habituated, you are so accustomed in the study of mathematics when you were young, right? And then for, about, for the next five or ten years, you are unable to get any access to mathematics. You know, you almost forget it. You almost forgot it. 
And then, again, the next time, you and someone else, who is not at all introduced to mathematics throughout his or her life, were both introduced to mathematics. Who's going to learn faster? You. Yeah. You. Why? Imprint. Imprint of what? Who gave you the imprint? Are you the gifted one, the chosen one? <laughs> no, that's action. Yes, one's own habituation, the mental exercise that you already had earlier. So likewise, all these imprints are not given to you by someone, bestowed upon you by your friends. But rather, it is bestowed upon you by your own previous being in your former lifetimes. Right? So, this imprint. Now the question is, but the imprint is not that if you are used to mathematics in the earlier part of life, after 10 years, then you learn, you know, then you learn a Buddhist philosophy. You learn so quickly. Is that the case? No, totally unrelated. Because you have imprints. Imprints of mathematics. But it, it will not help you. You know? So the imprint must be something concomitant in nature. The imprints, you know, those minds which laid the imprints, they must share nature with the result this imprint is, this imprint is going to give rise to. You know? So, later on when you were taught mathematics, you learned so quickly, you know, which means that you have a very profound imprint in mathematics. Is that imprint, on math uh, imprint of mathematics, is that laid by your knowledge of physics? Knowledge of, uh, sorry, knowledge of how to cook well? No. <laughs> Why not? Not exactly. These two are not at all similar in nature. These two are not concomitant in nature, right? So the mind which first which laid the imprints must be something must share its nature with the result this imprint is going to give rise to. So if the imprint is to be kind with others, you have been so kind in your former lifetimes, and then you die. What happened to those virtuous mental um, mindsets? Will then change into, you know, imprints. It will be in the form of imprints. And the next life, you know, you don't really need to train so much in compassion, these things. They simply become outpouring in you. You know, why? Because the kind of kindness that you, uh, you know, that you are experiencing in the next life, it is very much the same nature as the, the kindness that you practice in your former lives. This is quite acceptable, right? Mm -hmm. There's no argument. Mm -hmm. Okay, now one argument. Mm -hmm. Well, in this life, we all see computers. Is it the case that, you know, <laughs> uh, so the computer, of course, what we saw, what we see of the computer, that is given rise to, it is nothing separate, it is not separate from our mind. Which means that, you know, it is given rise to by a mental disposition or mental imprint. The computer, although the computer and the mind perceiving the computer, these, are, these two are of the same nature. Right? So just as the mind perceiving the computer is, is, given, is given rise to by the substantial cause, the imp in the form of imprint, right? So, which means that there, we have this imprint to see computer. So when was that imprint laid? 
In a former lifetime? Are you sure? No. Are you sure? Well, it could have been an abacus. Sorry? What if it was an abacus? I mean, something that was a precursor, not the computer, but something that... Something else. Something that was related to that. Something related to... I see. Wonderful. So you learn about, you know, you learn about the absence of... Uh, what? Mm, the absence of... Atma. And then you understand the ultimate emptiness. Because these two are related. Is it possible? Oh, then you, know, you simply learn 2 plus 2 equals 4. And then you, you know, the result, next day, you become a professor in mathematics. Is it possible? You're still connected. Oh, please. You know, we are in the world of Chitamatra. Don't, don't abuse Chitamatra. Something, not to see a particular object, but then the Chitamatra says that you can't see the object. What? Because it's the ability to see a computer. Yeah. You have, I mean, the imprint. Yeah, yeah. The ability to see, not necessarily a computer, but to see something else. But then. So this is what I'm telling you. This is what I'm telling you. Say, if you, if you see, uh, we know, if you see a horrible flower today, then you know you close the eyes and you look at it. Ultimately, you see a beautiful flower because you have the ability to see see something. You know. So don't abuse Chitamatra. <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing, amazing philosophy. You know, and there are real philosophers like uh, Chandragomi who debated with Prasangika Chandrakirti, you know, debated for seven years. Whoa. Imagine. It's not an easy philosophy <laughs> to abuse Chitamatra. I wish Chandragomi is there, you know. Is you know, I, I wish Chandragomi is one of the most popular Chitamatrans. If he's there, then he will really make you flat. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So the answer to, to your question is, so what is the, what is the, where did the imprints, do they have to be able to form, I mean, it's sort of like the, the man who invented the computer. Yeah, yeah, Where yeah. did he get his imprints to be able to put, to actually do that? I mean, exactly, he, yeah. Functional thing, where did the imprints come from to create from your mind something new into the world? Yes, 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 yes. Um, if we always had to... We could never have new things if we had to. Yes, it's also one qualm. Yeah, it's one qualm. So better we invite Chandra Gomi. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So, let me put it this way. I don't know if this is a standard answer given by Chidamatrins or Chandra Gomi, but let me put it this way. I buy a brand new computer, you know, from a shop. What is that for? A brand new computer, you know. So in it, there are many screws and such things, you know. So then one day, what happened was that my computer breaks. And then I take things apart. 
right? <laughs> right? And then I got a wonderful screw out of that. And I used to, I bang it there on my wall and used that to hang my clothes. <laughs> and somebody asked me, where did you get this? Where, from where did you buy it? <laughs> I didn't buy it from anywhere. Actually, the source is the computer. You know, but the computer man, he didn't, you know, he didn't sell me. Oh, this is a screw for your computer. Like that. You know, so then I have a horrible object over there. The horrible thing is also what I didn't buy from, you know, the shop. But that evolved that way, gradually, gradually, it evolved, you know. It became, it started changing its form and these things. Similarly, our imprint, say, you know, our imprint is also, first it is so fresh. And then gradually, over time, you know, if it is not used, then it will become deformed, it starts deforming in its nature. Every time it deforms, the corresponding mind that it is going to give rise to is going to be slightly different from the, the fresh, you know, from the mind which is supposed to be given rise to by the fresh imprint. The fresh mind, you know, the fresh imprint will give rise to a very fresh mind and a little bit distorted, gradually deformed or, you know, uh, distorted imprint or more sluggish imprint will give rise to a more sluggish object. Originally, it is, it is implanted as a very fresh imprint. Right? So from one single computer, we can get different things. Screws and very interesting objects. From there. Similarly, the same imprint, because of its deterioration, because of its, you know, um, because of its not being used, so often, you know, it loses its rigor, it loses its freshness, and then accordingly, a more dull mind can be given rise to. And accordingly, the more uh, correspondingly, a more dull object is also given rise to, because the object and the mind, these two are of the same nature, right? This is what I feel. This is what I feel, yeah. And then, of course, we cannot say that Complete, this is the first time ever in the, you know, in the history of time that computer, you know, if, uh, uh, invented for the first time. So who knows? In the, the former, the former um, eons, you know, science was even more developed than the, the, what is developed now. Who knows? From Buddhist perspective, you know, uh, actually, that was, seems like 15 years ago. Once I was, you know, sent by my teacher to give a talk, to talk at what? Gandhian Institute of Gandhian Studies. So there, you know, I started giving a talk, talk on uh, Buddhist concepts. And then the question came, and I was talking about how the mind we cannot create new minds, it's just the same mind, all the, you know, all the way down. And then someone asked me, then what about on this earth, you know, the number of human beings increasing all the time, there's population increase. So where, from where, you know, these new minds coming, they come, if they're not created newly. And then I talked about the multiple world systems, you know, the one world becoming, say, if there's a, a food, 
you know, proper uh, if there's the food and also moisture, then there's a tendency that there's going to be more warmth coming there. And as the food gets dried and moisture also dries, then these warms also go away. So similarly, one world system, you know, they become so conducive for more, you know, human life, then from other planets, you know, can come. And then whereas one world system becoming so unconducive for the life to form, then the life will simply gradually disappear, you know, disappear and these minds will travel to somewhere which is more conducive. So this planet, presently, it is more conducive for life. So from other planets coming. And the, the director of that said, what? You have come up with this idea of the multiple world systems. Is this what you have created? What you have created? Or is it said in the Buddhist text? <laughs> you thought that I was creating, you know, my... <laughs> and I said, oh, don't worry. So this is what is said by very authoritative Buddhist text. Yeah. So in like manner, you know, in terms of civilizations, it's not just the civilization that we can think of um, associated with this world. You know, many, many, many eons, simply are endlessly great numbers of eons were there in the past, bound to be in the future. So surely, you know, science must have developed much more than what we have now in the past. Okay, this one. And then another is, according to what I said, right? Say, I heard something from, you know, from someone that uh, 10 plus 30 is 40. You know? Let's say, um, the 10 plus, uh, 10 plus 18 is 28. And then I say, oh, but, uh, and you all know that I'm a very slow learner. <laughs> so, 10 plus 18 equals 28, 10 plus 18 equals 28. And then, in the course of time, what did they learn? What did they learn? 10 plus 18 equals 28. And then, I heard someone saying that, oh, tomorrow is going to be 20th, 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 you know? And then, I see, this is what I've learned, look, 10 plus 18 equals 28, you know, I see. And then, how do you write it? 20th, I see, 10 plus 18 equals, you know, 20th. And then I learned it. So this is how I, what I originally learned has deteriorated when that is joined or, you know, when that's combined with some other imprints. So because of, you know, combination of these, some two, three, four different imprints, a new thing can come about, right, as a product of that. So this is also one possibility. Anyway, very good question, right? Is it, is it the case that we can never see anything new? You know, after Sangeet asked this question, yeah, and also someone abusing Jitamadra, <laughs> but at least for the time being, don't abuse Jitamadra, for the time being. These imprints, are these the cause of aging, sickness, and death? Very good question. Yeah. Very good question. In fact, you know, the imprints, I simply, you know, I was simply telling you the imprints as a, the substantial cause, substantial causes of these different minds. 
So within the world of imprints, again, there are different kinds. Mm. The imprints giving rise to self-rational mind, the imprints giving rise to the different, you know, the experiences of the ripening resolve, like sickness, aging, death, you know. Yeah. So say the imprint which gives rise to your life. Say, you know, you 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 as a human being. And this imprint this very imprint which gives rise to your coming into being as a human being, this imprint itself is responsible for the aging, sickness and death. Because once you create the a beautiful computer, you know, once you create that, then finally you have to dump it somewhere. You need a place to dump, you know, because of the creation of that. If somebody's not created this computer, you don't have to look for the place to dump. Because of the, the nuclear thing, you have to look for, you know, place to dump the nuclear waste. So likewise, after creating this body, you know, the mind perceiving the body along with the body, the human body, they have been created by the mental, mental imprint which gives rise to this mind perceiving the, the, the human, human body. So once that is created, you know, and so that imprint is connected to karma. You know, so as this karma exhausts, as this karma, the karma, uh, the, the imprint of the karma, giving rise to the mind perceiving the self as a human being, as that karma exhausts, what will happen? Deterioration of that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then the deterioration of this, you know, the mind perceiving the, uh, your body and the body itself, these two, will simply, you know, start de degenerating in quality. So the degeneration of, is, of this quality is what is known as aging. And then at that, and at one point, there is the excessive, you know, degeneration, sickness, and then complete degeneration, which is death. So right? the degeneration of the imprint of the whatever, the imprint. Exhaustion. Exhaustion of this mind. Exactly. Exhaustion of, exhaustion of the karma, whose imprint uh, whose imprint is on the consciousness and giving rise to this, you know, the mind perceiving the self, uh, the, the mind perceiving the body. As the karma exhausts, the imprint of the, this karma is said to be exhausting. And as that is exhausted, then the result, say, what will happen? If there's a torch, if there's a torchlight, and the batteries, they are really they're brand new, and the bubbles are brand new, and there's a beautiful picture over there, if you, you know, if you try to look at the picture with this brand new torch, how clear will you see the picture? Very clear. And then you keep on, you know, with this. What happens? Yeah, the, the light will become fainter and fainter and fainter. As the light becomes fainter, what happened to the picture over there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, less and less clear. So it's not that actually the paint, the paint over there is becoming less and less clear. It's because of this torch, mm -hmm. you know. Similarly, there's no real picture over there. It is what this, you know, uh, projector is projecting. So this projector, what is the power? It's the karma, you know. The karma is the actual projector of the whole picture of this world, you know, to our, our consciousnesses. 
So as this karma gets exhausted, slowly and slowly getting exhausted, say, the karma that propels the human life in, a, in this era is the lifespan of that is said to be about 100. So presently it is said to be, you know, the, the general life expectancy, according to Buddhist, uh, no, Buddhist uh, teaching, is 100 years, right? So this is kind of the energy for, say, a battery. A battery can last one hour, right? So then as the, the end of the hour approaches, what will happen to the battery? It becomes dimmer and dimmer and dimmer. Similarly, our, the, the karma to propel the human, human life, generally speaking, the life expectancy is 10, uh, 100 years. So the karma can, you know, retain in that um, for 100 years. But then as the 100 years, the 100th year, you know, approaches, what happens? That's, this karma then, you know, comes into exhaust, the exhausting, every time exhausting. So, you know, you, the closer you get to the 100th year, you know, the more exhausted you are. So which means that that exhaustion will be reflected in the form of a very pale, faint picture over there. Similarly, it will be reflected in our body in the form of a very haggard, old figure, right? So this is uh, the reflection of the karma getting exhausted. Because this is the one which gave the life. This karma is the one which gives life to us, you know, as human beings. Remove them, so they don't degenerate, right? As the afflictions. Yeah. So afflictions don't generate. Don't don't degenerate, right? But we say that just for someone just cultivating concentration. Yeah. Doesn't remove the afflictions and the influence. True, 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 true. So you said the afflictions and the pains and whatever they don't degenerate. Hmm. Very good question. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Then. uh... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I should run away. <laughs> okay, so the question is very intelligent. What? If the karma gets degenerated, then the afflictions as well will <laughs> get degenerated. <laughs> so one day without any effort, you know, the afflictions gone. Oh, that's wonderful. No, 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 no. Oh, that's really... Yeah. So, okay, first to give you the brief picture, uh, say, afflictions, they are defined as mental factors, the presence of which, the presence of which will disturb your peace of mind. Afflictions are defined as mental factors the presence of which, the presence of which will disturb your mental peace. Okay? And the karma is the energy, is the mental energy, is the mental energy accumulated by the force by the force 
okay i think this comma needs to be defined a little bit more you know in a more wide wider way uh karma is a physical verbal or mental energy motivated by intention karma is the physical verbal and mental energy motivated by intention okay so now we need to first of all make a distinction between the two uh, the karma and the afflictions and then on the ba on the basis of this then we need to explain as to you know why karma why um, karma can get exhausted you know and while the afflictions without special effort it will not exhaust It'll, it can you know even increase Okay, very good question. Anyone who can help me? <laughs> well, is there something about that eighth um, consciousness that the Chittimachas have that mm -hmm. is the afflicted mental state? Yes, yes. That's separate from the other consciousness and then the mental consciousness? Ah, uh, yes. From the point of view of um, Sutra you know, of Sutra followers, Sutra follow, uh, followers, Chittamatra, there is um, afflicted, so say there are eight mental consciousnesses, uh, sorry, eight consciousnesses, according to this Sutra followers, Chittamatra, eight consciousnesses, five sense consciousnesses, plus the sixth one is mental consciousness, sixth, seventh one is Alivyan, or the basis of all, basis of all consciousness, and the eighth one is the uh, the the consciousness viewing at this alivyan to exist as autonomous, uh, sorry, uh, self-sufficient, substantial nature. The the eighth one is afflicted afflicted consciousness, afflicted consciousness, which views this alivyan as the self-sufficient substantial person right okay now look uh what will happen uh, what will happen say if you you know there, uh, say, you go to a, a gas station and then you, you know, uh, fill your uh, car with the gas and then you drive, say, 1,000 kilometers or miles. What happened to the gas? It's, it'll get used up, you know? So, so then as you use it, it gets exhausted. Right, but then what happens to you? Say, you uh, you you know, uh, you know, you know mathematics of uh, high school level, and then you practice it, you teach it by teaching it 
uh, will your knowledge get you know exhausted, mm-hmm. or will it become better? Yeah. It'll become better. So there are two things. One, as you use it, it'll get exhausted. It gets exhausted. Mm-hmm. And one, as you use it, it becomes better and better and better. Yeah. Right? So the affliction. If you use it, it'll become better and better and better. <laughs> stronger and stronger and stronger. <laughs> and the karmas, you know, they are simply the mental energy. Like the fuel. You use it, and it gets exhausted. Okay. Yes. Okay. Mm. Is mind basis of all has a feeling of soul to it? Oh, exactly. Hold on, hold on. Hold on, hold on. (laughs) Uh, Let's let's have your question. Record it. (laughs) It's so good. It's so good. So this really tempted me, you know, my teaching. Catholic Sorry? It's my Catholic imprint. Uh, still is amazing, amazing. <laughs> yeah, really amazing. Okay. Okay. So this mind basis of all has the feeling of a soul to it. Oh, yeah. Very good. Very true. In fact, Buddha, he came on this earth not simply, not, not simply to look for his, you know, fans. <laughs> oh, where are those people, you know, who would, uh, for my group, it's not that he, you know, he came on this earth to look for this, this group known as the Buddhist. But he came on this earth to benefit all sentient beings. Right? And all these sentient beings, they have all different mentalities. Depending on what circumstance one is brought up in. Some, they were so much used or they were so much introduced to the idea of idea of soul, idea of Atman in the former lifetimes. So naturally, this life, even if you encounter with Buddhist teachings, where you know, oh, there is no inherent self, there is no Atma, there is no soul, but still deep inside you, saying that oh, there is something, there is something called soul, or without which, you know then it makes no sense. So this kind of very strong feeling, right, can happen. So, because of the imprint from the former lifetime, where you were so much taught, introduced to the idea of solid cells, soul, Atman and these things. So, to help those people who have a strong inclination towards, you know, the solid self, to help these people, the Buddha taught this Alevijan. Yeah. To ease these people. Or even the Buddha, you know, talks about something like that. So, that's really nice. And then you feel, you know, you feel yourself uh, a sense of belonging in this group. You know? Who see, who, uh, which seeks 
enlightenment, which seeks total freedom from suffering. So whereas, if wherever you go in the teachings of the Buddha, you find everything without, you know, inherent nature, without yourself like that, then you don't really feel a sense of belonging there. And because of which, you will not feel connected. Because of which, you will not practice it. And because of which, you will keep on entangled in samsara. Right? So this is the purpose. Buddha has actually come up with all, you know, different things and um, in the form of shares to everyone. Everyone has one's own share to learn from the Buddha. And for those who are used to all very solid sense of self, Atman, soul in the past life times, the Buddha has this share of the Alevijan. Yeah, wonderful question. Okay, so, uh, what I'm going to say, again, let me summarize here. As for the mind, you know, say, the flower and the color of the flower. What do you think is the substantial cause or a substantial cause of these two? The flower and the color of the flower. Is it just the same or different? Same, yeah, same. Okay. different. <laughs> okay, different, yeah. So then what about the shape of the flower and the, the flower? Same. Same. Okay. So actually I want to, you know, bring something to let you say same. Okay, so you are happy with this one. The 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 substantial cause of the flower and the substantial cause of the shape of the flower. It's just the same, right? Okay. So whereas we cannot exactly say that the flower and the shape of the flower, these two are identical. We cannot say that, right? They are nominally distinct. Entity-wise same, nominally distinct. This is what we have learned. Okay. Like that, our minds, mind perceiving the table and the mind, these two are like the shape of the flower and the flower. So just as the substantial cause of the flower and the shape of the flower is one, the substantial cause for the table and the mind perceiving the table is one. Right? So it's just the mental imprint which has the potential to give rise to the mind perceiving the flower, right? Mind perceiving the flower or the mind perceiving the table. And then this imprint awakens, it awakens and the mind perceiving the table comes about. And simultaneously, simultaneously, the table arises. The table and the mind perceiving the table arise simultaneously, given rise to by the same substantial cause, which is imprint, mental imprint. Right? Yeah. Okay. So, so, uh, we have this mental imprint as the substantial cause of the table as well as the mind perceiving the table. The same mental imprint. Right? Okay, so this is the substantial cause. Now look, if you look at uh, the, this last para on the same page, the five sense objects, forms and so forth, 
do not exist as external objects. Why? Because they are produced, you know, the substantial cause of the external objects and the minds perceiving these external objects. It's just one. You know, we see them as distinct, but in true sense, these two are of the same nature. And the substantial cause of these two is just one. Look, because they are produced within the substantial entity, meaning the substantial nature of an internal, you know, given rise to, substantially by internal consciousness through the power of predisposing latencies. Predisposing latencies referring to the imprints, mental imprints, you know, established by common and uncommon actions in the mind basis, in the mind basis of all. Okay, in the mind basis of all. The common and uncommon actions. Say, now this is another interesting uh, topic. Interesting topic. Say, you know, you're simply everyone else uh, dislikes going to stupor and make frustration. And actually you are there with other 99 uh, uh, people. And you go there, and you are the only one, you know, with a deep sense of faith and respect to the Buddha and make prostrations. So, and the rest, and, and it also happens that you are the boss. So you instruct them, or oh, I know you don't like it, but you do it, if you want to come with me. And then every, reluctantly everyone else did it, without any faith. So, you know, you all do the same action, but it is only you who really, you know, uh, implanted a fresh, strong uh, imprint of faith in the Buddha. And what is action you did? Physical action, and verbally you said something so virtuous, and mentally, you know, you have a tremendous faith, and so you have all these three actions, bodily, verbal, and mental. And all these three actions, they're all motivated by genuine intention. So, bodily, verbal, mental actions are given rise to by mental intention is what is known as karma. So, you have accumulated a very strong virtuous karma, right? And others, they also do the same thing, in the sense, uh, move their body, say something verbally, but mentally something negative, right? So, what is the intention? Intention, is, is it something positive in the case of others? No. So, the bodily, verbal and mental actions, you know, triggered by, triggered by impure motivation, very destructive motivation, reluctant. So, that doesn't really help the others to accumulate virtuous physical, verbal, mental karma. Right? Okay. Now look. Um, in the future, say, you know, um, say in your next life, again, hundreds of, hundreds of you are born in the same place. And then, everyone else, you know, they, they were suffering from all problems, one way or the other, you know, with, no, with uh, not getting proper food to eat, not getting something to drink, not proper shelter, and whereas, Everything good is happening to you. 
Third look. Now while you are all in the same environment, but you are enjoying lot and others they are suffering. You know? So because you this enjoyment or the suffering is the result of a karma. You know? So your rest of the people, they are experiencing a common kind of result, suffering, which means a common result of common karma. And whereas the karma that you are experiencing, ripening, is something very different from others. So your karma, which is so virtuous, is the uncommon karma. Uncommon. You know? And whereas others, they are experiencing, they are undergoing the same experience, the common karma. Right? Actually, uh, you know, this is something, very important part in the explanation on karma. What happens is that, again, with the same thing, I will relate to you one story, uh, common and uncommon karma. At the time of Buddha, there was one nun who finally achieved Nirvana, Aratya. And the nun, she had about 500 other nuns as her students. And then in one hall, she was giving these uh, this courses to, the, uh, to her students. And then, you know, all of a sudden, what, a burglar or thief or, you know, some mischievous uh, people, they started burning the entire campus. Entire campus. And then, they come to know about it only very late. And then the, the teacher, who is Arahant, you know, already liberated. And she then, realized, realizing that, you know, everyone is going to be dying, she, through her clairvoyant power, she told them, told the students, now look, we are all experiencing a ne- the suffering or an, a consequence of a negative karma that we accumulated commonly in common in one of the former lifetimes. So there is no escape. And this karma is so powerful that we can escape. Simply bear in mind that this is the ripening of the negative karma that we ourselves accumulated in the former lives. And then, you know, so that way, all simply died. And then there is one uh, maid servant, maid, you know, a lady servant, who escaped from a tunnel? Who was there? But she escaped. And I think the issue was, you know, brought to uh, the Buddha, and the Buddha revealed the, you know, a formalized accumulation for karma. Buddha, so one of, in one of the formalized, uh, formalized times, these five hundred, along with the teacher, you know, they were all robbers at one point, in the former lifetimes, one of the former lifetimes. And then, upon, through consensus, they killed, you know, one person. And among them, one retreated, one disagreed to kill, you know. So the rest of the 499, they accumulated the common karma, the negative common karma of killing the, the person, and one retreated. So the, 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 the servant who escaped from the tunnel is the one who happened to be dead. You know? 
So even though under such a very difficult situation where you cannot really imagine any escape, she somehow escaped from a sewage tunnel. Yeah. So, uh, so the, that lady who escaped, she was not in, uh, involved in that accumulation of the common karma, negative common karma, and others. They experienced the result of the common karma of negative action of killing someone. Okay, then we read uh, the true expectarians. Okay, are you all entitled true expectarians and full expectarians? <laughs> the true expectarians assert that the five sense objects, forms, and so forth are not external objects but do exist as gross objects. So this is what we did partly last time. The fourth, so say the table, you know, uh, the table, uh, does it appear to you as external entity or just, a, just part of your mind? External entity. So, from the point of view of Chidamatra, this is wrong. You know, this is wrong. This is a wrong perception. Which means that the five sense objects, they all are simply the manifestation, simply the extension of one's own mind. Then the question is, the table, but does it exist? Yes. It does exist, yes. Is it mind? In the mother world? Just raise your hands, those who say yes. Raise your hands, those who say no. One, two. Okay. The reflection in the mirror, is this mirror? No. Yes, no. No. Okay. So, reflection of the mirror, reflection, the image, the image, the reflection. This is not a mirror. But can that be separate from the mirror? No. No. So this is indistinguishable, you know, with the mirror. So likewise, the table. Is it, you know, is it separate from the, is it separate from the mind perceiving the table? No. no. Is it the mind perceiving the table? No. No. Right? Simply think of the mirror and the reflection in the mirror. So the table is not the mind, but the table is not separate from the mind. This is what we should be answering. Now the next question is, the table, is it gross, you know, or is it so subtle? Are you sure? Say you are Chidamatran. What would be your response? Say, say, this is just part of your mind. Is your method, it's just like image on the mirror, you know? So, what is that? Is that the table, which is like the image in the mirror of your mind? Is that gross or subtle? Subtle? Gross? Gross. What about when you're thinking? Thinking. Still thinking. Okay. So how many gross? Apasangiga. <laughs> how many subtle? One, two. Nancy? Thinking. Okay. So all those who says uh, it's gross, you belong to the true expectarians. Whereas <laughs> who say it's subtle, I don't know if you belong to the true expectarians or the false expectarians. <laughs> Let's see. 
The two sectarians assert that the five sense objects, forms and so forth, are not external objects but do exist as gross objects. The fourth sectarians maintain that if such were the case, then forms and so forth would have to be external objects. Good. So Venerable Chingy truly reflects the, <laughs> truly gets there to false expectarian to the modernist view. Uh, then forms and so forth would have to be external objects. Therefore, they assert, they assert that the five types of sense objects do not exist as gross objects, although they do, of course, accept part and whole. Which means that, you know, even though the false expectarians believe that the table is not gross, you know, but still, the table does have parts and a whole. The table is a whole, and the, the top flat uh, plank, and the legs, they are the parts, so they do still accept the ideas of this thing. So just think about, you know, either you think about the mirror and the image on the mirror, or you think about the dream and the dream object, you know? So in dream, you dream of a table. In dream, you, you know, you can think of, uh, you can think of, uh, you can dream of, you know, uh, what? Huge apples. You know, the huge apple, the elephant-sized apple in your dream. Is that, you know, is that gross or subtle? Say, imagine you, now you are, uh, uh, you have already working up, you know, you have already working up. You're working up, and then you think about, you know, oh, I dreamt of such a marvelous dream, you know, elephant-sized apple, right? So is that gross or subtle from the point of view of you coming out of your dream? Is it gross or subtle? Just imagine. Subtle and others. Subtle? No, I think subtle. I see. So now... Okay, yeah. So this is why I've been telling you right, right from the beginning that we are still in the world of Chittamatrans. You know, we have to imagine that everything is simply just a reflection in your own mind. You know? <laughs> okay. <laughs> right, yeah. Yeah, okay. Now asserting, uh, assertions regarding object possessors uh, subjects. The followers of uh, followers of scripture, mainly the followers of Asanga, assert eight consciousnesses, which I I already mentioned. Therefore, they assert that the, the mental consciousness and the mind basis of all, which is Alivijan, is the person, mm-hmm. right? So when they ask what is the person, they finally, particularly the uh, scripture followers, they finally point to the Alivijan as the person. Right? And the mind base of all is the person. The, follow, the followers of reasoning, mainly the followers of Dharmagirdi, assert that the mental consciousness is the illustration of a person. So they, in the case of the followers of reasoning, they don't believe. They don't propose the idea of Alivijan. You know? So, when they are asked as to where is the self, where is the person, you know, then they point to the mental consciousness the sixth consciousness, which is mental. They point to mental consciousness and say that this is a person. Now my question to you, uh, say, you know, just 
Ask yourself, where are you or you know who are you? You might say, oh, I'm Kevin. Or you know you might say, I'm Chinyi, uh, I'm Senji, so forth, right? My next question is, just point to where the surface is pointable, the body or the mind, the mind, you know. Next question, why mind? Why is the mind the self? Why is the mind the self? According to Prasangika, no, this is not the self. Even the mind is not the self. But Chittamantrins, you know, according to the, uh, the scripture follower Chittamantrins, the Adivijan is the self. According to the reasoning follower Chittamantrins, it is the sixth uh, consciousness, the mental consciousness is the mind. So why? It's not just them, you know. Everyone else, even the Swatantaka Matimika, they point to the mental consciousness as the final example of the self, the person. So why do you think that they point to the mind as the self? Because there's no external object. Well, the body. Yeah. The body is a phenomena perceived by the mind as an external object from the Chitta No, no. So there is no need of external object. So the body, it does exist. Yeah. It is not external. So why not that is the, the self? Or why do they have to still uh, stick to the idea that the mind is the self? Anyone? It's also the only thing that goes forward. The body dies, the mind dies. Good. Good. This is the response given by, you know, uh, the prominent Svatantika uh, Madhyamika uh, philosopher by the name the great master Pavel Viveka. he said that, oh, we would point to mind as a self because it is the mind which transmigrates to the next life. He, just in one sentence, he explained to us as why mind is the self. You know? So he said, look, you know, it's not that you're forced to say that, you know, one of these two, the body or the mind should be the self. It's not that way. So he comes up with a very intelligent answer. He said, look, the person or the self, you know, simply does not discontinue when you die this life. It continues the next life. But then, if you really look there, the body does not continue to the next life. It is the mind which travels to the next life. Right? So, on the one hand, you say the self travels to the next life. On the other hand, we see it is only the mind which travels. So, if mind is not self, where is the self traveling to the next life? So the mind is self. This is a wonderful, intelligent response from Pavadvika in his uh, text by the name blazing the blaze the blazing what is that blazing of the reasonings blazing you know with so everything simply on the basis of reasons blazing of reasonings in Sanskrit it is tarkajwala tarkajwala blazing of reasonings okay so the mind is considered to be the uh, to be the self the final example of the self and um, the according to 
the suit according to the scripture follower Chittamatrans, it is the the Alivigan, the basis of all consciousness. The basis of all consciousness as the the final example of the self. Now let's see. The followers of scripture assert that a mind basis of all observes the f- uh, of all ob- observes the five senses, the five objects, and the internal latencies. Okay, this is quite interesting. I don't know if I need to go in detail. We have two minutes left. <laughs> okay, let's put it this way. Um, now we have, you know, we have discussed so much about this. The, be, the mind basis of the mind basis of all, Alivijan, right? So what is it like? What is the object of that? Say when you speak about my eye consciousness, oh my the object of my eye consciousness presently is a flower. You know? So like that like that, what is the object of objects? Object or the objects of that mind? The basis of all consciousness. So it says that it observes the five senses, referring to the uh, eye sense, nose sense, you know, and so forth. Five are the uh, what uh, senses, and the five objects, the five objects, referring to form, smell, sound, and so forth, and what, and the internal latencies, the imprints, right? And look, what we have to keep in mind is that. Is all the kind of senses and is all the kind of uh, sense objects the objects of this uh, alivijan? Now look, so in my case, you know, when I look at my body, say when I look at my hand, what is the object of my consciousness? Mm-hmm. It's my hand, you know. So this is what it is. This is physical form or the sound, smell, what? Physical oh. form. So whereas when I look at, you know. The uh, say the Kevin. So what is the object? Yeah. Kevin, right? Okay. So whereas in the case of so in, in the case of my eye consciousness, the objects can be varying. My own the physical body, external someone else's physical body, or uh, the physical body of some inanimate objects. But in the case of Alivijan, it's very different. Alivijan say Alivijan of person A, right? So Alivijan of person A only observes the five senses of himself, not the five senses of others. One. The five objects. The five objects of himself. His own body, his own bodily uh, uh, smell, his own bodily taste, and what? The five, you know, objects. And the internal latencies of oneself and not others. So everything, the objects, whether the senses, whether the objects, you know, or the internal latencies, they all should be of one's own, not someone else's, right? So, uh, this one, and I don't know if, um, okay, yeah, it has further explanations, uh, we'll read. A mind basis of all has the aspect of not discriminating its objects. It does, not, it does not notice its objects and cannot induce another consciousness to notice objects. So say, when I look at a flower, you know, uh, when I look at a flower, this flower, oh, it's so nice. Whereas when I look at this flower, oh, withering, you know, so I can easily discriminate 
the good and bad in these things. Whereas, say, someone who is suffering from autistic, autism, you know, so if you bring a very beautiful flower, what will it do? And say the disease is, you know, really acute. Very beautiful flower or, you know, horrible flower doesn't really make sense, much make difference, you know. It's, there is a lack of discrimination, mental discrimination. So Ali Vigyan is like, uh, you know, someone who is suffering from autistic, mm-hmm. autism. You know, it's really like a profound, vast ocean and quite sluggish. <laughs> it's like, you know, just simply looking at things like that, observing, not really discriminating what is there, good, bad, like that. So, the mind basis of all has a sort of not discriminating its objects. It does not not- notice its object and cannot induce another consciousness to, to notice objects. You know, so... Say, you know, you are very much kind of uh, engrossed or enticed by a wonderful, your favorite song, you know. You are so driven over there and someone is doing like this in, in front of your eyes. What will happen? You don't notice, you know. So, you don't notice. And then afterwards when you ask, what happened, you know, did someone come in front of you? I, didn't, I don't know. So you didn't really notice that, even though your eyes are wide open, but you didn't notice anything because of your obsession to that. So likewise, Arivijan is not because of obsession to something else, but because of his dullness in his discrimination. It cannot discriminate anything. It cannot notice anything. You know, it simply observes. That's it. Okay, we stop here. Does yes. that mean it does not observe the mental the activities of the mental consciousness? So we, it sees the five consciousnesses? Just these three. Uh-huh. The senses, the five objects, the five objects mm-hmm. and the latencies, nothing else. So they're sort of separate worlds they're in? Uh, it is, it's, not, it's not they're in, it's you're in. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> because we are just living young. Yeah. <laughs> you know? The only thing is that the surface of the Alevijan, when it gets disturbed because of the carnal wind, then all the consciousness discriminating and all this comes about. Otherwise, the true, you know, person, as you, you, as a true person, actually this is what the Alevijan reflects. So we need to do something with this Alevijan, you know, remove this sluggishness, mm-hmm. and then transform into the mind of the Buddha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, we stop here.